I think, Johnny, if I had to sum up this show, I would say it's a show about love. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Love is what it's all about. Hello, and welcome to Johnny and Tiggy Walker Consciously Coupling. Now, in this podcast, we're going to be chatting to other couples and finding out how they met. Who did the wooing, or who wooed who. Whether they faced any struggles together. And the triumphs and the joys that they've had. We'll hear about the songs that they love, that they share, and maybe some that they don't. And it's all with thanks to our partner, the Velvetizer, from Hotel Chocolat. Barista-grade drinking chocolate at home. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to get a new episode every Wednesday. Right, let's get started. Let's. On our podcast this week, Damon and Georgie Hill. Uh, Damon, the uh, British, not a British, well, a British driver, but a world Formula One motor racing champion. And someone I've admired well, since the beginning of his racing career, because I loved his dad and admired his dad. But uh, his dad was just loved fame. He loved being recognised. He had a fantastic sense of humour, full of great charm, wooed all the ladies. And Damon, chalk and cheese, really. Damon, more introverted, liked his private time rather than sort of being a public figure all the time. Uh, And Georgie, we, we met Georgie once. We met Georgie at a BRDC dinner. I remember because I had been fretting, as I always do before any of these events I have to go to with you. What do I wear? What do I wear? And I fret, fret, fret. And I turn up feeling very insecure. And Georgie just steams in right at the end. You know, I think the first course had probably been served. She's wearing a jumper and a long skirt. I'm just going, (laughs) this woman is so cool. She was so on top of her game there. And I just thought, wow, I love her. Yeah. Well, together they've had four children. They're firstborn. Uh, a, a boy um, was Oliver. born. Oliver was born with Down syndrome, and from the way they describe it, the hospital just seemed incapable of handing over the news and dealing with it. They had a difficult time, but um, and then three more children came along. Damon retired at the end of the nineties, and so he, he was at home a lot more. Let's find out how Georgie reacted to that. Well, I mean, the whole thing, handling four children and a husband who's a Formula One racing driver, that's a lot of pressure for anybody to deal with. So Georgie, I think, must be a hell of a girl. Should we find out? Yes, let's find out. And a warm welcome to Damon and Georgie Hill. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. We're very well, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We're as well as we can be because yeah. of this stupid thing, this virus. <laughs> anyway. Well, let's go right back in time now. Our first question, as always, is how did you meet you two? Well, um, it sort of goes back to a friend of mine he used to, I used to go to school with, and he was very good, quite artistic. And uh, he used to knock about with people from Kingston Fashion College, where Georgie was doing her course back in the early 80s, 1981, maybe. And so, um, and Georgie actually went out with this chap, didn't you? I did not. Well, you were on, you were on your way out with him. No, anyway, never. Okay, well, you were friends of his. He, used to get, he was a teetotaler with a car. So he was like gold dust. So he used to give all the girls lifts to and from the parties. So that's as far as it went. But, um, and Damon had become a bit of a darling of some of the girls on my course. So I used to see this 
big bloke sitting outside on his motorbike on my way out of college occasionally. Well, not that big. So eventually, um, we I went with Tim, this mutual friend, to a party and Damon was in the car and we went off to a bonfire night party. And that was that. And was it that? Was it attraction at first sight? Well, I... Damon had been around in in my circle for some time, but I honestly hadn't really noticed him apart from occasionally seeing him outside and, you know, saying hello. And at this party on bonfire night, I was talking to somebody else on the other side of the room who I quite liked. And I looked across the room and saw Damon and I just this voice in my head said, that's your husband. So I thought, oh, I better go and talk to him then. <laughs> so, Did you tell him? I was I was completely no, unaware of this. I don't. I, no, I wouldn't have said anything to him. He'd have left the party in a bit of a. Well, I I, th- I found um, Georgie quite enigmatic, frankly. You know, and uh, and one day she, I was on my motorbike and she was standing on the pavement outside her flat, and she dared me to take her for a ride round Wandsworth one-way system, uh, uh, round the roundabout and, and uh, off of uh, Wandsworth Bridge. So I did. I took her on the back of a, and I thought, well, she's got some courage, you know, to go on the back of a motorbike. <laughs> um, so uh, the intrigue kind of grew from there, I think. Did you give her a fun run or were you quite safe? Well, I, listen, I was a re- motorcycle racer at the time and dispatch rider. So I was quite handy on a bike, um, but I didn't do anything too reckless, I don't think, did I? No, There were no wheelies, so. not in the first, not in the first. Uh, no. First day, I, day. It was a very hot day. So all I had on was a really huge sort of granddad shirt down to my knees and my pants and by uh, about 500 yards down the road I was so cold so I was only doing it to show off to the other people in the flat who were all watching so but I wouldn't have thought a scruffy motorcycle courier was on your you know top of your list for an eligible guy at all he was absolutely not at all Johnny had a T-shirt which had boozy tours written on it. He'd right. never been to an art gallery. He didn't read books. He was not on my radar at all. But some higher presence had other plans. I have to tell you, we're doing this on Zoom and Damon's grinning away like nobody's business. <laughs> also with a beautiful piece of art in the background, I yeah. have to say, which yeah. is very eye-catching. <laughs> but the great thing, Damon, is you knew that Georgie was interested in you, the person. Not for any um, fancy job well, she or wealth. So, I think, well, she was sort of, I think she was as confused and intrigued as I was about her because, you know, we both had, there was an attraction between us. Clearly there was something and we didn't know quite what it was. You know, it was, it was other people seemed to have their partners and so forth. And maybe we were, maybe the, we were the people left, left behind. Well, and we excuse <laughs> me. Plenty of other options on the table. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, so did I. But, um, but, um... I think actually what it was, was that um, I found, I didn't know anything about Damon. I just knew he was Tim's friend. But he was very serious and grown up, I thought, at the time. Oh, that was a mistake. That yeah, was, that was soon. Uh, and um, I like that. You know, I think we had both, I didn't realise at the time, but, you know, we both had quite upsetting, for me upsetting, for Damon really tragic experiences when we were younger. 
and I think they actually chimed with each other quite a lot and I found a lot of the people I was mixing with were a bit frivolous and didn't really realize that things awful things could happen and when I met Damon I think maybe I recognized something in him that he had an understanding of of other things in the world other than you know just having a good time and how old were you both when you met each other 21 yeah I mean we have four children and the youngest is now 23 you know (laughs) when I think about that that she is older than we were when we met that's quite frightening yeah we actually split up in sort of the mid 80s and I went and lived in a flat with a with a friend of mine and, and then um, I, I sort of bumped into Georgie again and decided that um, she was much more important to me than I realised. And mm-hmm. it sort of went, as as we we kind of moved back in, um, we bought a house and also we had, uh, we were going to have Oliver as well. So things suddenly got very serious. And um, and so we were, uh, we decided we, we'd, we'd actually make it uh, official. Um, about 1989 mm. so um <clears throat> we'd been together seven years by this point apart from kind of six or seven months off yeah. in, in, for the hiccup but um i think once we realized we were having going to have children then you know we thought we'd better get all that sorted out and dama's mother was quite insistent that a marriage should Go ahead. There, there was a song involved, which I, I it's not one of the ones we've included, but I was actually on my way. I'd been to see I'd been to some some tests. So my career was starting to get potentially serious. I got an F1 test somewhere. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I, I'd like to have a family. I'd, I'd like Georgie to be my wife. And I started to sort of think along those lines. And um, and I remember going up the M1 and listening to the long and winding road and thinking about how the fact that we'd broken up and how we got back together again. And, you know, the the road that always leads back to um, was, was I think it was quite a profound influence on me. And I kind of had to admit that um, to myself that, you know, that Georgie and I seem to be, um, you know, um, the right pair, that we seem to be right for each other. And so that was, you know, that was, that was becoming obvious to me then, mm. I think. I did get Georgie pregnant and then it was pretty much on purpose, quite clearly, you know, um, that it was quite clear, made abundantly clear to me that now we're going to get hitched and um, and make everything official. <laughs> and I didn't exactly. I wanted that, actually, to be honest. I think I think it was just a question of usual kind of man, kind of jittery kind of feelings about making things um, the commitment side of things. But uh Get in there and get it done. That's 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 the right. Like Boris Johnson, you know, get just get in there and sort it out. Yeah. So an awful lot happened to you at the same time, didn't it? You 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 were pregnant together. You got married, and your Formula One career was starting. Damon Damon wasn't pregnant. No, no, but you often say, that, don't you, about couples? You often these days you can say, I guess so. You know, yeah. I think yeah. people understand. He's having a baby. No, yeah. I know. No, Tiggy, you're right. It would actual fact it was worse than that because um, we'd. Decided, I decided to buy a house, and I'd lost all kind of all my my career had dried up. Frankly, I hadn't got any drives on the horizon, and kind of run out of steam. And in, in my twenties, a lot of drivers now get into Formula One when they're nineteen. Well, I've been trying and trying and not getting anywhere, 
And I think that maybe kind of <clears throat> precipitated the idea of me getting on with my real life um, idea of getting married and, and having children and buying a house. So we I got a mortgage on this house in Wandsworth and I didn't have a job. Uh, and we just had Oliver, who turned out to have Down syndrome and interest rates went up to 17 and a half percent. Do you remember that? So, uh, yeah, so the late 80s, 89 didn't look too promising. And then. I started to get drives and I uh, offered opportunities of drives, which I grabbed with both hands and, and threw myself at. And it's odd how when you've got a family to look after, I think you focus, it focuses the mind a bit more. The other thing, yeah. though, about that is um, Enzo Ferrari was quoted as saying, a driver who's married with children loses a second a lap compared to a driver who's single. He, he did say that. I, I mean, the actual the truth of it is that, I mean, my dad had a family. Jackie Stewart had a family. Um, quite a lot of the guys who have children seem to have this more, you know, grown up aspect to them, perhaps. And I think that makes them perhaps more, more professional. But um, but, you know, it's, it is it, it, you've got something to lose. You're, you're kind of not gambling is, is what Bernie Eccleston used to say. You know, if you're um, if you haven't got anything, to, if you're not banking everything, you're not gambling, basically. Is that's what that's what he was uh, the old saying? Is that you, you know if you've actually if actually you can see what could what what the catastrophe could be, you kind of concentrate more. But we were very happy at that time, weren't we? We were delighted with Ollie. He was the sweetest baby. Yeah, no, I absolutely and, loved. And you know, yeah. he just taught us so much about how to be parents and how to be kind to every each other and. Um, it was a very happy time in our little two up, two down in Wandsworth. Yeah, and and from that moment onwards, things got better in my mm. career as well. So we had we had Josh as well in the in ninety one, um, and I was actually feeding Josh about three in the morning when they started uh, bombing Baghdad. I remember going down. <laughs> I was lying. I was on the sofa with my with my newborn uh, second son. And uh, watching the the news coverage of the missile, the guy saying, "I've, I've just seen a missile go down the, the street in Baghdad," and mm. I thought, well, "Great, welcome to the world, Josh." You know, mm. um, so but at that, that time, I was also I got the opportunity to drive with Williams, and and you know that kicked off into a full time drive with um, in Formula One and racing with Alan Prost, and then the rest is history. But Georgie, for you, new family uh, starting. Were you ever afraid? Because Formula One was a lot more dangerous in those days than it is now. Was it frightening for you to, having your husband go and race all the time? Or did you just support Damon all the way? Do you know, it, it, I never really felt frightened at all about it. I, I think because I'd seen him do his motorbikes and then he went off and did other formulas in cars, slower formulas in cars, it was a, kind, a, a gradual building up to, to really fast cars. And Damon always came across as being very confident about it. I think he understood the environment very well. He'd grown up in it and everything. So I just thought, well, that's what he wants to do. I would never have asked him to stop doing it. Can you imagine if I had asked him to not do it? I mean, it would have just been awful. So I didn't really have a choice, you know. And there were times when it was, you know, quite lonely because he was away a lot in the early days when he was doing lots of testing and I was at home with the boys. Um, but when he came back, he was there for an extended period of time, usually. And so I think we we saw more 
of you than if you worked in an office, really, I think. Yeah, I didn't have the nine to five, no, but I was was away. And I think think the other thing about Formula One is that it's it's very family-friendly, too, for the for the drivers wives and families so if i wanted to go with him it was never a problem for me to go if i wanted to take children with me it was never a problem you know so it was um i was dipping in and out of it and when at that point we only had the two little boys so i was able to go off with him to at least every other one so it was fun actually wasn't it it was exciting you know i mean it opened up my world Damon, uh, I'm sure I heard you say the other day you were born in an F1 paddock. Was that right? Well, yeah. yeah. I wasn't actually, but no, that's not strictly true. I wasn't born in the paddock. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was a metaphorical of what's the, what's the word. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it, it was trying to explain the fact that my mum had been supporting my dad and re- going to races um, in, you know, with me inside her, I suppose. So, you know, the moment I was one years old I was off in the left of the paddock somewhere and, and my mum went off and looked after my dad mm. so you know I've been very very from a, from birth I'd been going to racetracks but actually Tabby who was our third child our first daughter her due date was on the day of the British Grand Prix and so I hadn't planned to go to the Grand Prix because I was the size of a house and didn't want to have you know baby at the Grand Prix uh, and then Damon was on pole position. So he said, you've got to come over. And I went over with Josh. And the f- I, I'd been there about five minutes before one of the doctors who are always at the circuits turned up to say that they had all heard my baby was due and they had all the equipment they needed if I went into labour. <laughs> and I thought it would have been like that scene in The Lion King, you know, where they hold the baby up on Pride Rock. Damon could have gone up on the... Uh, rostrum and held up his newborn child but anyway she lasted another two weeks before she came out eventually how did you get on in that race Damon um not very well that was that was not a good story (laughs) that was one of the worst ones (laughs) I seem to remember a lot of bad press and uh, so when Georgie was uh, in labour in in Dublin uh, I'm afraid I I haunted her her maternity room um, with with me strutting around and com- shouting at people down the phone and and uh, being in a generally bad mood. I had yeah. to send him off in the end. Yeah, it was so I was mind. trying to think nice, happy thoughts to have my baby. I didn't want the baby to hear this raving lunatic in the room with us. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I had to send him off in the end. <laughs> she when she was born, Tabby Tabby just gave me. I, I, actually, it's worse than that <laughs> because Georgie was induced, but I thought this is going to take a good, you know, 12 hours or something. And I had tickets to see Plant and Page at the point in Dublin. So um, so I said... Which was round the corner from the hospital. It literally was very close to the hospital. So I said, well, this is going to be at least a couple of hours. So I, I said, shame to waste the ticket. So I went I went to the see Plant and Page and um, I've still got the ticket somewhere. But when I came back... Still Tabby, got the daughter somewhere. Tabby, <laughs> Tabby had been born. And all I got was this, this baby just scowling at me. It was absolutely carbon copy look of Georgie's look of disgust with her with her father, husband who should have been there Georgie I want to go back to the racing and from your point of view I mean I think about when I'm watching Roger Federer play in the final of Wimbledon I'm desperate for him to win I mean the pain and the drama of sport is so intense 
it must be a hundredfold worse when you know your husband is the sportsman and you are desperate for him to win. How is that? Or do you just have to sort of shut yourself down? I don't think you can shut yourself down. I couldn't anyway. You know, it was... The atmosphere builds over the weekend. And so by the time you get to the race day, everyone's almost at bursting point, you know, with anticipation and... um, I all I just wanted him to do well because I was going to have to either sit in a car or a plane with him all the way home after the race if it didn't go very well. And then there'd be a couple of days after that where he'd be really bad-tempered and grumpy and everything. And then, then it would go. The children would, you know, manage to kind of bash it out of him. But I think it was... Um, there were times when it it was it felt a bit intrusive. I think you know I I was quite happy to be low key and just watch him do his thing. But you know it's hard to do that with lots of people pointing cameras at you and stuff. And on the on the day of the Japanese Grand Prix, where where he was hopefully and did then go on to win the World Championship. I started out in the garage, which is where I always used to watch from because I have all the monitors and I can see everything that's going on. Um, but actually had to retreat back to the motorhome and I just put a I just put a blanket over my head and waited for it all to be over. That was just too nerve wracking. It was just been so built up and when I went into the garage I couldn't see out the front of the garage for photographers on ladders and chairs and they were all pointing their camera at my face, waiting for something to go wrong so they would get the reaction shot thing. And I just, that was really about the only time I ever felt it was just too much. So Murray Walker had a lump in his throat and you were hiding under a blanket. I think by the time, yeah, I was hiding under a blanket, but because uh, the the, uh, Villeneuve went out before the end of the race, so Damon was now world champion, um, so by the so there was a few laps between us knowing that and Damon actually arriving back well, in the, the whole race. Yes. Was it? Yeah, oh, it I can't, I can't remember. Laps. So um, by which by the time Damon got back, I was had been cracking open the champagne with some friends. So I was <laughs> I didn't need the blanket over my head anymore. I was very happy and slightly drunk and. It was all over. It was fantastic. George only needs one glass of champagne. Yeah, yeah. And she's all over the place. So, you know, I literally, Jacques Villeneuve went out on about lap four or something and there was about 60 mm. laps to go. So I was world champion and I still had to keep going round mm. and, and finish the race. Meanwhile, George is knocking back the champagne and celebrating we and, and I'm working. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was it was a wonderful experience. And I do think that it was it is stressful because accidents do happen and, you know, we had children and everything. Um, and I think when he crossed the line on, on that race, I mean, it was just the most wonderful feeling. He was safe. You know, he'd become a world champion, which is what he dreamt of doing. And we were all in one piece. So it was certainly worth opening a bottle of champagne for. And that was only about seven years since we got married, seven, eight years before we we got married and, you know, the whole thing had just gone off like a rocket, frankly, you yeah. know, since, since we moved into that house in Wandsworth and had the two boys and everything, it just, it took off. So it was, but we'd known each other since we were 21. So it was the great thing was having, you know, having a relationship with someone who'd seen it all, you know, it wasn't like Georgie had turned up when I become world champion. Um, and so, you know, it's nice to have someone 
there who can be a witness to all the ups and downs rather than you know someone who is uh you know perhaps more fickle perhaps i don't know i think also having a young family who demanded your attention when you when you were home i mean it kept everything in perspective really didn't it yeah that's that's the balance was really important i I mean i because it is a mad world and you can live in it um for so long but i think even you look at drivers now current drivers the stresses they're put under psychological stresses they're put under they you don't see it at first but when you you read between the lines and their interviews and stuff you know they are put through the mangle um you know and they go home and if they don't have someone to to support them when they get back home then then it can be really really a lonely place um and uh you need you know you need some continuity and normality so you know putting the bit i always used to say i'd win a race on <laughs> or lose a race on sunday and then go out monday and put the bins out you know it'd be getting back getting back to normal and helping georgie with you know changing nappies or taking the kids to school was really really mm. important for just putting things back into perspective you talk about the ups and downs of motor racing. You can't get further up than becoming world champion. And then the next season, Frank Williams drops you. Georgie, that must have been hard to handle, Damon, at that time. What a it, disappointment. It was so disappointing, you know, because I'd obviously seen he'd sweated blood to get into that position to win a world championship. And it, it was really, I was really, really upset. I was absolutely furious at Patrick Head and Frank Williams. <laughs> and Patrick knows that. We're not mentioning any names, but <laughs> No, but everybody knows who you you know, who runs Williams and and I have had I have spoken to Patrick about it since and we're friends and we talk and it, it, there's no problem. But it, it was the way it happened and for me that they sort of kept Damon hanging on while they sorted so it was too late for him to really get himself sorted out and they didn't need to do that you know Damon is a really honourable bloke if they had just been straight with him at the beginning he would have um, accepted it and and got on but the fact that they didn't want him but didn't want anyone else to have him I found that really bad bad form Mm. yeah then I mean you were driving in an arrows and I remember seeing somebody hung out a bang a, a banner who was heading up arrows at the time? Was it Walkinshaw? Jack, Jackie Oliver. No, Tom Walkinshaw. No, Tom Walkinshaw, yes, right, yeah. Yeah. And was blaming you or something for the performance. And I remember somebody had a great big banner saying, it's not Damon, it's a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> there, there is still some quite quite a lot of confusion about what, what you know, who's, who's take, who should take the credit in this sport, you know, whether it's the car or the driver. But... Um, you certainly can't do it without the equipment. But even in the Arrows, I managed to get to the front some by some miracle. I nearly won a race in the Arrows. And um, so I, I can hold my head up. I did actually a lead or win a race um, in every season I did in Formula 1, apart from my half, my first half season. Um, and maybe the last one. <laughs> anyway, I did quite well. I want to talk about the last race, not to, to, to rub anything in, but I want to ask Georgie, when Damon stopped at Suzuka and got out of his car, did you know what was going through his head? I knew he wasn't happy and I knew he wanted to stop earlier in the season. Uh, I was worried that, you know, he devoted so much of his time to um, becoming a racing driver and winning a world championship. 
I was I was concerned about what he was going to do with himself afterwards. Uh, and I knew that there were issues that he hadn't dealt with to do with his father dying that he'd, you know, managed to, um, what's the word? Contain it? Put into your racing, what? you know, channel, oh, right, yeah, channel, channel yeah. into his racing, all that kind of... <clears throat> anger and upset could be channeled in a way so I was a bit concerned as to where it was going to be channeled next once he left motorsport Mm. and we it was a you know like all long relationships there are lovely bits horrible bits bits that are you know nothing in particular but um that's the nature of a long relationship it was tough when he when he uh stopped racing I was glad because um, I knew he wasn't happy in the last half of the season and, and I didn't want him racing in a car if he wasn't happy because the risk is too great. You know, you, you should only do it if you're really enjoying it. Um, but it was, we had a couple of years after that which were tough, weren't Yeah, they? I think there was a lot of unresolved stuff which, um, you know, to do with uh, our dynamic, you know, that um, I... You know, had met Georgie when we we both met when we were very young. We quite quickly got into um, a very busy phase of our lives, and you know, it flew by, and lots of crazy things happened. Mm. And and then we had time to reflect. And I think that at those moments, you you start to unravel again. You start to unpick. Uh, you know, you try and revisit um, the route you've taken, and you you kind of start to analyze things. So I I did go through a period where um it was quite tough and you know it's tough on Georgie as well I think um but she was also angry about stuff that happened in her uh youth um and so we had to kind of visit all that I mean I I made no secret but I wrote about it in my book that I you know I was in I went and saw a therapist for quite a few years and I got very interested in the whole business of therapy and the whole business of talking about yourself and talking about your trying in the process of talking about yourself you discover yourself you discover how you think and sometimes you discover you don't like the way you think you know and sometimes you realize you're banging on about issues and uh you know you want to instead of banging on about them well what do you want to do i mean i remember one of the guys one of the the therapists i saw once said well we can sit here and talk about this um until uh you know until hell freezes over you know if you want to, <laughs> you know, so you can just, you can just keep talking about it forever and ever. But what are you going to do about it? You know, so that was, that was an interesting phase of, of our getting together and getting to know each other again. So I think we, we needed that. And it was, I think we know. had, we had really been under quite a lot of pressure, even though it was self-inflicted, you know, Damon racing, traveling a lot, um, we had four children under 10, you know, one with a serious learning disability and um, we'd moved house. We'd we moved, kept moving house. We oh kept, you know, we moved back from back to the UK. My mother was really <clears throat> ill. You know, we had a lot on our plate. And I think when you have to keep on keeping on, a, a lid is on all these things. And then suddenly when you have space to breathe out, of course, the lid flies off and... You know, everything came out. But um, it was tricky, but I think we both loved each other 
and we had four young children to think about and we did everything we could to make sure that they were happy and we were good parents to them and I think they got us through actually yeah well I think we got ourselves yeah well we okay we yeah I think we worked really hard to make it right yeah make things um as good as possible and if things were not right then we we generally talked about them and we did and try to work out why why you keep doing that <laughs> he, <laughs> still, he still keeps doing it <laughs> why did you say that <laughs> if things get really difficult that's when you want to play the archers theme yeah <laughs> that will oh, really oh, cheer oh, georgie no, that, up that, 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 if i can get to the button before i hear the the second note i've <laughs> i've succeeded as far as i can tell it's far too jolly yeah well, what is? Do you two have a shared song? We 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 do. Um, we do. And our, our shared song is the one we played at. Um, we had played at our wedding, which is so we had it to walk out of the church to, and it starts with this lovely big trumpety fanfare. Which, um, as we came out of the registry office, that went off, and then we walked out of the church to this piece of music and. I think I've been to a few other weddings since then where it's been used as well, but we hadn't known anyone else who'd used it at that time. And it was lovely. The reaction of our friends and family, they weren't expecting it. And it was really nice. They all stood up and laughed and clapped and everything. So, And, and what is it? It's All You Need Is Love by the Beatles, of course. So it, it, that's... And Ollie... So I was four, four and a half months pregnant, I think, when we got married. And... Oliver is obsessed with the Beatles and he actually learnt to read and write from looking at Beatles songbooks and copying out the lyrics and everything. And he loves every single Beatles song and could tell you... We did a pub quiz a couple of years ago with his brother and some of his brother's friends and it was a Beatles pub quiz and Ollie got 100%. And I think that was pretty good, actually. I think we went in and Josh's friends were trying to sort of sort of being nice to Ollie and everything. And then halfway through, they were thinking, oh, my God, he knows everything about the Beatles. He's still finding stuff I've never heard. Yeah, he's, he's gone through all the archive stuff and, the you know, just everything. And it's a it's a you know, it was a lovely start to our married life. It was it's uh, happy and it was all we needed. Well, yeah. how did Ollie react when you used to play with George Harrison? Because you yeah. did. Well, he, he, I mean, he grew up thinking that, you know, the Beatles, you could have the Beatles around for tea if you yeah. wanted. You know, he, he kind of, he, he kind of, we went to George's house. I can tell this story, but we did go to George's house once and, 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 and Ringo and, and Paul were there. And, he, and we, we, lost, we lost him. He went off somewhere and, and George had quite a big garden. With a pond, with a, a lake. huge lake. And yeah. so we're kind of like panicking now. Where's Ollie gone? Um, he could swim, but even so, he didn't want him falling. But anyway, we found him. Corner, he cornered Paul. Yeah, he was sitting on a garden bench in the woods with Paul McCartney. <laughs> it was using Paul as a human jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> he was basically saying, and what about this song? And what about that song? And he was like, Paul was going, oh, I can't remember that one. And then yeah. he was, basically he was firing out titles at uh, Paul McCartney. So he thinks that's all just run it's, on the mill. He's, and, uh, he know. was very sweet to him. It was, yeah. it was really a lovely moment to, to witness. But the day before that, to actually increase this, we had had a, a phone call from um, Polly and Dave Gilmore because a friend of theirs had had a baby with Down syndrome and they invited us to lunch to meet this friend and have a chat with them. And 
halfway through lunch, Ollie got bored and wandered off and started playing on the piano. Dave followed him and Ollie didn't know who Dave was and said, uh, so Dave said to him, would you like to play some music, Oliver? What would you like to do? And he said, oh, the Beatles, please. So for the next two hours, (laughs) Dave Gilmore sat next to Ollie while Ollie pretended to play the piano uh, with his guitar and sang every Beatles song he could remember, which was really, really lovely. So when Ollie went into school on Monday morning and they have to tell the teacher what's happened at the weekend and write a little story about it. He'd said that, you know, on Saturday he'd met David Gilmore and they'd sang Beatles songs and then he'd gone to George Harrison's house and he'd met Paul McCartney who sang to him and he'd met Ringo who he had a cup of tea with him. And at the end the teacher had written, wouldn't it be lovely, Ollie, if this was really true? <laughs> <laughs> It was a magical weekend because he had no idea. He just just thought it was a lovely thing to happen, yeah. So, Damon, what about your musicianship? Because I've seen you play on stage, I guess at a Formula One gig with Eddie Jordan or something like that. I'm a busker. I I can bash out some Chuck Berry stuff and that's about it, you know. I can hang on a few, hang on with a a bit of R&B and... No, I keep trying, but I'm not getting anywhere. And uh, I have to concede that finally, you know, my big my big chance has gone of being... I have got a platinum disc for being on a Def Leppard album, though, because when we lived in Ireland, um, uh, Joe, Joe Elliott and the boys lived nearby, and he said to me, we're in the studio tomorrow, because I said I play guitar, I said, oh, well, you should come and play on my album. And I, I said, I will then. And he said, well, OK, we're, there, we're going to be at my house tomorrow morning. So I, I I took him up on it. I turned up on the spot and they put me on the... I'm on the end of um, Demolition Man, which is... Um, uh, there's a riff at the end of that. And the, the, the album went platinum. So I... <laughs> so Only I, because I, of your guitar playing. That obviously what clinched it. I think you need to play that on your... You need to play that on your next rock show. Yeah, we will play it on the rock show, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just as it fades out. It's uh, Demolition Man is the track. On, but you had a band for a while, didn't you? After you'd retired, uh, what, the Conrods. We called ourselves the Conrods because we th- there was a band called Eddie and the Hot Rods. Do you remember? So we thought just a play on words, and then we when we changed our name to the Six Pistons, and um, uh, but basically we just played songs. We kind of did charity shows and, and pubs and things, um, and we did, well actually one we kind of did a charity thing at the Albert Hall. Um, it was just part of a Formula One guitars and cars kind of show. And the next week we were at the um, Prince Albert uh, pub in Shalford. Uh, so we got to the Albert Hall. We did it all back to front. We started off in the Albert Hall and then ended up playing in pubs. Um, so, um, and we had some fun doing that, but it's hard work, isn't it? You know, getting everyone together and playing in bands. So how's life now? Are you just, are you more settled now? You've got your Sky Formula One work, which must be nice to go off and do occasionally. Uh, it's everything in a nice balance. Well, it was, yes. I mean, the, the, obviously, the COVID things meant that we. I only did a couple of races last year. I went to the, the Silverstone and, and the last Bahrain one, but last but one. Um, but I'm due to do eight races this year with uh, Sky. Um, so I'm I'm still following the sport very closely, and it's great to be with the team, and be part of the way you know telling the story about our sport. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm privileged to to be able to to be asked to do that. 
And you're also doing a podcast, Formula One Nation. Exactly, yes. I've just done the first ed, uh, the first episode of that. So that's why I've got a microphone. Look, I'm actually turning to professional recording artist now. Um, and um, we, we, talk, we, we talk about it. Yes, you know, it's, it's a podcast. So you keep it, keep it light and, uh, and moving along. And hopefully people listen and enjoy it. And Georgie, what about you? Are you? Is it empty nest syndrome for you? Have all the kids? Well, it gone? was. Yeah, it was empty nest, and um, we actually moved house recently to be closer to where Oliver lives. Um, so I, you know, we had Ollie nearby, but everybody else had was off doing their own thing. And then, of course, when the virus hit. Um, We've had some coming back, so we're running a hotel at the moment, it feels like. But uh, just over a year ago, about 14 months ago, I looked at our diary and Damon was away nearly every other weekend. The children had all gone. And I thought, well, I'm going to get a dog because my other dogs had died and I was really missing them. I'm going to get a dog so that as Damon's away such a lot, you know, I can go out walking and stuff with the dog. It'd be lovely. And then, of course, the virus arrived and we've been, this is the longest we've ever been together in the whole of our married life. Really? Yeah. Without, you know. It doesn't you, feel you, like it's <laughs> long at all. It feels, every day is a new day. I come down, I make the tea, I have my coffee and it's like, oh, it's, it is Groundhog Day, though, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I literally, do, yeah. I, you know. But we've, a, we've got into walking the dog together. Yeah, which, which is lovely. Georgie is not someone I would describe as very keen on, getting up and doing a lot of exercise you're not no. an outdoor you're a reader aren't you? i like you're, reading and yeah, drawing reading and drawing so it's good to get her out the dog's actually training her <laughs> yeah well this is the first time we've lived somewhere where we have to take the dogs out to walk so um rather than just open the door and let them go kind of thing so it's, it's been lovely we have long chats on our walks and um it's been a real treat, actually, to have Damon here for such a long time. You mentioned getting up and having a cup of tea and drinking coffee. Have you tried the Velvetizer yet? I've tried the vel- Velvetizer. It's a, it's a bit of magic device, isn't it? How does it work? It's, it's, I don't understand it. It's Pour in whatever kind of milk you want. Yeah. Uh, oat, hemp, you know, regular even milk cow. or whatever. Yeah, even cow. Um, and then you put in six spoons of uh, the Hotel Chocolat chocolate, flaky stuff. And uh, you press the button, and in two minutes you've got a hot know, chocolate. But we have done it. It's, it's, got, it's amazing. I've seen it's it's wonderful. It's got like a, like a like an uh, urn. It's like a sort of a ladle kind of crossed with a kettle, and and so you you kind of just put the and then this magic whisker yeah it does it through some sort of magnetic impulse or something. I don't know how it works, but it it suddenly turns it into uh, frothy, lovely frothy chocolate. It's our treat when we get back from the dog walk. Uh, what song would you dedicate to Damon, Georgie? I've forgotten what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> this is a panic. We had a panic attack last night. It's quite interesting how you suddenly realise you don't know your wife as well as you thought you did. Okay, I, I do know. I, I do know. Yeah. It's um, Paul McCartney. The Beatles uh, have featured quite heavily in our lives. And it's Maybe I'm Amazed. Because I think it is amazing you know, that we met when we were 21. We're now 60 and... We still enjoy being together and we managed to get through all this stuff that's happened in all that time. It's a, uh, I've known Damon now much longer than I didn't know him. And that's a strange thing. But it's been, you know, it's been everything. It's been wonderful, horrible, boring, fantastic. You know, it's been everything. It's been a really rich 
um, relationship, and that's been brilliant for me. So. And I think that song um, makes me feel that it is amazing that it's we're still going on and we still like to be together. It's nice. And your song for Georgie Damon? Well, I, I chose "Shelter from the Storm" by um, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Because actually, uh, when I first met Georgie, I would I had a job as a van driver, and I used to have to go to uh, Bloxall up near Walsall uh, every Friday night with the with some newsprint. This is before we had computers, and I'd get back about midnight, if if not a bit later, and I'd knock on her. She had a ground floor flat in queue, and I knocked on the window and literally climbed into. I should have chosen she comes and came in through the bathroom window but um i literally used to you know knock on the window and climb into bed with with georgie um but you know shelter from the storm i think the the idea of shelter from the storm is uh is very apt for how i feel about about my relationship with georgie and uh and our life together mm, that is lovely. Both both of those are gorgeous choices. And what about the future? Do, are you, do you have dreams and plans together or are you just letting it unfold? Well, it's a bit tough at the moment to plan anything, isn't it? You just don't know what's happening. Um, yeah, we're unfolding at the moment. We're, we're unfolding, Yeah, we're, we're just letting I mean, it see we've, what we've never been in the, this position before where where we've had nowhere we have to be or nothing you have to do, you know. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Just carry on. Seems to be working. As Georgie said, it's quite a novelty to be in the same place for a length of time, mm. isn't it? It's uh, it's quite interesting. I, the idea of getting in an aeroplane and going somewhere is kind of scary right now. <laughs> Listen, it's been a delightful afternoon chatting to you. It's lovely to speak to you. Yeah, and look, well, when this is all over and we can meet again, then you're very welcome to come to ours and yeah. and have some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like that very much. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. much. Okay, lots of love. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much to Damon and Georgie Hill. These podcasts we do together just amaze me. Um, I don't know what it is, whether it's because, you know, there's two people together, but um, the things people talk about and the things that we find out about people just amaze me every time yes and how people especially people have been together for a long time how they have been through their ups and their downs they know that the downs are part of the whole journey and form them into what they are i mean look at georgie she's been so loyal I mean, I, that's what I really, the abiding thing I took out of that. She was just, you know, she wasn't into Formula One. She wasn't into bike racing. It was all about what, you know, supporting Damon. I love that. And I sort of feel that loyalty for you. Woe betide the person. I always say that who says anything against you or does anything against you. Uh, and they all know that. And I bet they know that about Georgie too. Yeah. They. <laughs> well, Damon struggled for an awful long time trying to figure out was he Graham Hill 2 or Damon Hill 1? And he really struggled. But he got what he wanted was to win the world championship. That's such a big thing. It's not that many people have done that. Well, he's got a lovely wife and four, four lovely children too. So yeah. he's, he's a winner. So that's our podcast. Thanks again to Hotel Chocolat. Uh, the Velvetizer is their wonderful hot chocolate making device which makes you barista-grade drinking chocolate at home. 
and they've supported us on this podcast. Thanks to our producer, John Daly of Ojo Productions. And for the music... We thank Fergus. We do. And thank you for listening. Uh, Lovely to have you along with these podcasts. And please join us for the next edition, which will be out next week. Are you going to say goodbye, Tiggs? Well, why not? (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye, children. (laughs) Are you sitting comfortably? (laughs) Then we'll stop. <laughs>